Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. I'm here with Vincent. What's up, guys? <laughs> So you're born in Winnipeg, right? Yes, born in Canada. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't get how cold it is there. And like, it's not like Vancouver or Montreal where it's like just rainy and not very cold. This place gets very, very cold. Yeah. So I always try to explain to people that don't understand negative 40 Celsius is also negative 40 Fahrenheit. So the coldest I've been outside in, like just ever lived through is like negative 63 or negative 64 Fahrenheit. Yeah. Which I don't I'm even a Celsius know. person. So yeah. Oh, you're a Celsius person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like negative six, negative like fifty five, fifty six. Yeah. Which I don't know oh if you've gosh. ever been in. No, of course the, not. <laughs> the best thing that we used to do as kids was like you take after negative forty or like negative thirty ish, you can take a bowl of boiling water, and you can throw it up in the air, and it'll all like no. evaporate before it hits the bottom. Oh yeah. Gosh. Before it touches the ground. It's kind, of, <laughs> it's kind of scary. Are your parents born there as well? Uh, no, actually, my dad was born and raised in Scotland, and then at 18 moved to Canada, oh. and just, like, worked up north. Like, he had this, like, crazy, crazy trajectory of life that I just, like, he, he was kind of, you know, funniest thing coming back now is he was the one that kind of pushed me into it. We ended up sitting down and having dinner before I moved to Los Angeles for the first time, and he was like, you know, if you want to stay, you can, you can do everything from back here. Or if you want to go and you think this is your shot, then you should actually like go for it and do it because I did that when I was your age and I think that you know you should be given the opportunity because you can land on your feet back at home if it fails, but if you have to do it now, you kind of have to do it now. Yeah. And then my mom was born in Montreal, I believe, in Quebec, yeah. but her family was Hungarian, so her first language wasn't oh, wow. French or English, it was yeah. Hungarian, which was really cool. And she, it was so funny, like, even as she was talking around the house, she was able to, like, she'd talk with her sister, and they would be able to, like, they'd start in French, they'd be like, hello, bonjour, and they'd talk to each other. Yeah. And then if they didn't know a word, they'd switch it to English, and they would, like, you know, add English in the sentences. Yeah. And then if they didn't want to do that, or if they tried to switch it, they'd just start talking Hungarian to each other <laughs> on the phone. So they'd, like, rotate through languages like that, and I'm like, I can barely keep up with the French, oh, never yeah. mind the English, like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> oh my god. So what was your dad's career then? Uh, well, my dad, uh, when he first moved, he worked up at a lot of stores up north, and I don't really know how to explain it. They were called, like, northern stores, mm -hmm. but he kind of, he wasn't, like, um, he kind of had, like, a managerial position mm -hmm. where he'd do, like, a whole bunch of other stuff. Then he ended up going back at, like, 30 to get his MBA in business or something like that. So now he, yeah. we laugh at him. He works for, uh, like, on the managerial side, obviously, at, yeah. at a bacon plant, but we always laugh because... I like when I talk about music I talk yeah. about it and I like I get really really excited because I'm passionate about it and my brother uh, is really passionate about cars yeah like he loves talking about it so whenever I open that up or like you just ask one question and they just talk oh, yeah. over it. and my dad's the same way but he like hides it and it's about bacon like it's always really really funny oh, really? like yeah like he just knows all the ins and outs of like what temperature it has to be cooked at or, like how many pork bellies That's they so have funny. And, yeah like all of this crazy stuff that you would never expect anybody to know about bacon yeah. he knows everything so yeah. it's like he just starts talking about all of it and it, it's so cool oh my mom uh worked for hold on. she worked for uh veterans affairs canada so she kind of um 
she did like home visits and stuff with veterans who are actually oh. dealing with like real PTSD and like wow. all the other type of stuff. But originally, when she moved, because she was from Quebec and she moved to like northern Canada, I met my dad. She was a nurse, but she was like a flying nurse. So the places that they lived, not to give like too much of a backstory, but they were like super, super remote. And a lot of the places were just like flying only. Like you couldn't drive yeah. to it, you had to fly in. Wow. And so she was the nurse. So if anything had happened, then you know, like three people like stabbed each other in the middle of the night or whatever she was the nurse like dealing yeah. with everything which is super wow. it, like that's... yeah I couldn't imagine and that's like 30 years ago that's like 70s 80s yeah. so that's like I obviously wasn't born but like to understand that those type of places still work like that to some extent there's a lot of places that are still flying yeah. and you have to have like everybody flying like wow. groceries and things to eat for the community not groceries but like the stuff yeah, that people would buy, like, to stock, yeah, yeah, the stock a store, you have to, like, fly everything in. You can't do anything. And a lot of people, like, they don't have vehicles, they just have skidoos. Yeah. Like, bobsleds, or not bobsleds. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't think of it. I, it there's skidoos, but, like, there's another <laughs> word for it. Um, yeah, just everything was, like, super remote, so she, they ended up doing that. And then um, they stopped, they moved down to Winnipeg, settled down, got a house, and then she started working veterans mm. which was really really cool and early on you started was it piano at four or something yeah my mom pushed me into that um i'm very thankful that she pushed me into that because i definitely would not have done any of this without that kind of knowledge yeah but it was really funny because my brother was also into it but he never like he did it but he didn't like doing it and my dad was always like pushing back against my mom because my mom always wanted us to do it and my dad was like why are you making them do it if we hate practicing and I'm like, <laughs> exactly and, like and, my parents yeah and like my, my brother and I are both like, yeah, we hate practicing. Like, this sucks. I hate... Because the regimen that we were on from our teacher was 45-minute uh, practices five times a week. And so two... I think it's two hours and 25 minutes. I remember, like, doing the math on it all the time. Like, mm -hmm. how much am I really practicing? But it, like, it doesn't sound like a lot, but to sit down at the piano for 45 yeah. minutes five I times a week... I used to just week, count like, down and stare. Oh, like, yeah, oh. We, would, we would time it, and we would, like... <laughs> It's so funny now because my mom would always check in on practices and see if we were actually doing it. I would just cancel. I would like run the timer and like go eat or something and then stop it again. She'd be like, oh, how much do you practice? I was like, you know, like 38 minutes. I've only got seven more minutes. Yeah. And we would just like keep it rolling, the timer rolling. So we would just end our practices so much faster because oh I wouldn't want to do it. But so what was, why was she pushing you so hard? Was she just like pushing you in everything like academic also? Yeah. Well, she, oh, I mean, now you're starting to like get down to the real questions because I didn't even think of that yeah she always she was just pushing me at school too like I remember there were times when I didn't study for a test properly and she, I remember her like taking off an hour between like when I had spare right before the test for work she like drove to the school and like had all of my notes with me and I brought them down we like sat in the car outside of school like running through flashcards oh my and god stuff. that's yeah. so sweet of her though oh yeah <laughs> like trust and, and I remember it was so funny because as much as I hated it like I started to understand like you know, ninth, 10th grade, it's like, holy shit, I'm passing my classes because my mom's actually taking the time out of her day to, like, make me study properly. And she yeah. she was, like, super good because, like, you can ask yourself, like, oh, like, what's the capital of this place or what's that? And you can do that so many times and then look at it and see if you're right or wrong. But, like, if you have somebody else that's there yeah. and understands how you're studying and can help you with that, like, I, I don't think I would have, I would have passed my classes, but, like, it definitely yeah. helped a lot. Did you like school, though? Eh, I was kind of, like... I was just indifferent with school. Like, school was just kind of a thing that happened, and yeah. it was there, and you had to do it. And I wasn't, like, one of those teens that, like, rebelled and, like, left yeah. at, like, 12 years old or whatever and just, like, started a new life. I was just kind of, like, running with, or just rolling with the punches, just doing whatever yeah. happened. Like, for school, what subjects were you into? 
I wasn't good at anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like think anything? I was. Well, I just kind of like got, oh, actually, you know what? I did like, I really liked, I had a really good English teacher. His name was mm. Mr. Pitcoat. I kind of hope that he watches this at some <laughs> point. He was a great, he, I roasted him on Twitter and he blocked me in 12th grade, but yeah, yeah, it, was, it was really weird. And he hasn't unblocked me and I'm still salty about it. So, um, yeah, he, he had this class and it was basically like we'd read, like it was an, it was just a regular English class, but the way that he taught it was more of like a, you're going to read this book or you're going to read this passage. And then I want to tell I want you to like find the deeper meaning in all of it. Like I want, I want you to find like the second hidden meaning. Like, um, I won't be able to pull up any examples, but like if you have a, a character that's doing something courageous and like, you know, going through a battle or whatever, like what's the second meaning? Like, you know, don't give up or like keep persevering, you know, just like little tiny things like that. But just going through it, it was more like a critical thinking class when yeah. you look at it, which I, I always really enjoyed because it was something more than just like, like you, you could have a wrong answer, but a lot of it was subjective. So like, if you think that he did this, and you can explain it properly, you know, giving points and doing the formula that he's kind of taught, then you pass the class. Yeah. So I, I was, I loved doing that because it was just really easy to think outside the box as opposed to just mm -hmm. being like two plus one is three and it's always yeah. going to be three. How so. do you describe yourself back then growing up? Well, like school was the perfect place to think about that because I was like, I floated a lot. Like I was fine with every group and I knew all the kids in our grade really well because we had a really, really small high school. But at the same time, I wasn't like... I didn't have like a crew or, you know, like there's like little posses in high school. It wasn't, I wasn't with a posse or like, you know, I didn't have that type of thing. I had a lot of friends that I was really close with. Like a lot of the kids that I game with, even before I came here, like uh, Sam and Jordan and Matt and all those people, like I'm really close friends with them still and we play a lot. But at the same time, I was just kind of like cool with everybody. So I was just floating around all the time. Yeah. I wasn't really like, I didn't go out a lot. I stayed in and made music. A lot of the time just because I wanted to try and keep that as a, a thing that would actually happen. Yeah. Because at the same time, like, not to go on too far of another tangent, but, like, back home music wasn't really, like, a thing. Like, being a musician, that wasn't, like, a, a possible outcome for life. That just wasn't really a thing. Like, you could do it as a hobby, but you'd never do it as a full-time job, ever. Yeah. And it, it wasn't so much that... I didn't want to hang out with people like I was decently social and I can talk to people but I wanted to like fight against everybody that was like oh you'll never be able to do that or it's like oh you're doing it as a hobby like cool but what are you going to do tomorrow like when you wake up and your bills aren't paid type thing yeah so I was like I'm just going to work while I have the opportunity when I'm like 16 17 years old and instead of going out to these parties I'm just going to like try to make music or try to make something that I think is cool because I don't want to waste my time like, you know, just going out and getting drunk, like, barely legal. Yeah. It, that was just kind of the thing, though, so... I guess I, I wasn't, like, a loner or a weirdo, but it was just, like, meh. Yeah. Indifferent with everything. Actually, with piano, didn't you win, like, the highest score that, in your, like... That was so are? funny. Yeah, that, like, I still hold that close. And actually, like, believe it or not, with all, like, the legal visa stuff from moving to a different country, like, that, that stuff... Helps? Yeah, it helps. Yeah, we, we, oh we put gosh. that in. Well, it was crazy, like... I remember going through, and my piano teacher had always been the same. Like, I'd always had the same girl from when I started when I was four to when I stopped doing lessons at 15. And she would run me through practice tests. And it was a big thing at the start of the year where we sit down with, like, my mom and my teacher. And we talk about, what do we want to do this year? Like, do you want to try to, you know, study for a test to be able to take these two tests that you have to do? Being practicum and a theory test, like playing in a written test. We also like a doing, what is it called, those performances where they grade you? Yeah, like recitals and yeah. stuff. Yeah, like I, well, they didn't grade us. These were kind of like recitals held by the teacher. So all of her oh. students would just get a chance to play at like a, 
a church with a piano and all the yeah. families would sit in the back and they had like that's cute mine yeah. were graded it was stressful oh really <laughs> yeah oh I couldn't imagine being graded on those For the... of... oh go ahead like no just like a bunch of people it's all the students lined up and then they just grade you on the spot oh my god that's, that's actually <laughs> terrifying all the same song <laughs> were you <laughs> yeah no way oh my I would I would have shit myself are you kidding no there's no uh, way I could do that Asia <laughs> Is that where you grew up? Yeah, in Hong Kong. Oh That's why God. I know the Celsius and stuff, and a lot of like Asian people in Canada. Oh okay, I was like, yeah, when you said I do Celsius, I was like, mm, okay, where are you from? <laughs> nobody here uses that. Yeah. Okay, that's so funny. Well, we, yeah, ours weren't that intense. Like, the actual exams were intense, but yeah. when we just did recitals, it was just like, oh, friends and family and all the kids come and everybody just plays and there's, like, little snacks on the outside. It was just, like, a, a cute little, like, hour, hour and a half thing that we'd always do once yeah. or twice a year. It was probably, like, two or three times a year, yeah. actually. And what kind of... Do you remember the first CD you bought? First CD I bought? I don't think I bought CDs. I think I'm... Even from the onset? <laughs> No, no, like I that so that's another thing. Everybody LimeWire. Yes, okay, LimeWire was a huge thing. I remember that. That was when I first started getting into music actually because my dad had like I know that my brother's going to laugh if he watches this and my dad's going to laugh too if he watches this. And it, it's true so he can roast me back all he wants, but when we were growing up there were like a collection of maybe 30 to 50 songs and that's all that's all we listened to because that's all my dad listened to. Like when we were in the, we were in the car driving somewhere, it was the radio, but otherwise it was like one of these 50 songs so that I'd probably know all the words to and know the songs by heart because that's all he listened to. So I didn't have a music taste growing up. That wasn't like a... I didn't have my own taste, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. And so in... Like over time, as I started like doing stuff and I started playing more video games, I started listening to music more. Then I started like finding LimeWire and I remember for probably my 11th or 12th birthday, all I wanted, and I still have it, I actually found it when I was cleaning out my room a couple weeks ago. It was uh, an iPod Nano with a wheel oh. on it, but one of the white ones, it was a one gigabyte iPod. It could hold like 300 songs or something. And that's when I started like getting into LimeWire and I started finding my own music and like all this other type of stuff that I really wanted to, like I thought this was really cool. Yeah. And what, so. What kind of artists were they that you found on your own initially? The only thing that you can probably look up that was like the first dive into music that I had was this game on GameCube called SSX on Tour. Mm -hmm. And like it had such good music. Like there's actually a Diplo track in there. I had no idea oh. who Diplo was at the time. And this is back in his like Florida album. Yeah. They had like uh, Billy Talent was in there. I was a big Billy Talent kid for a bit. I say that like I was like super into all the music. I just knew like one-off songs for the longest time. And I was just like, oh, I like that. I'm gonna grab it. Yeah. And it's like, it was on LimeWire. It's cool. I'll get it. Like that was kind of it. I didn't really have like the biggest repertoire and people would always try to get me into music, but I was just like way too picky with everything. It's like, okay, yeah, it's cool, but it's not for me or it's, you know, like it's different and I like it and I can appreciate it, but I don't really like that or that's not the type of music that I listen to. Yeah. And so it just became like one-off songs into like a snowball effect into what was Skrillex like popping up out of nowhere. Also Skrillex helped a lot, like made you want to start producing. Yeah, Skrillex yeah. was like the first like, I'm, I'm still a huge Skrillex fanboy. Like, I see a lot of people, and it's like, it doesn't really... You're in Los Angeles, like, blah, blah, wow, cool. Like, you don't get phased by seeing famous people, but I've seen Skrillex, like, twice in my mm -hmm. life, and I shit myself every time. It's like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, that guy did everything. I remember we were on a family vacation in Arizona, and um, this, like, new song came out on iTunes, and it said Skrillex Remix beside it. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, let me listen to it. And I was like, wow, this changes everything. Like, this is such a cool track. And it was... 
the cinema remix that had just come out. I was like, what is this? And I just started like thinking about it. So that's what I ended up producing first, actually, was dubstep. And it ne none of it was online. Like, none of it actually ended up being posted online because I was doing it like as a duo with one of my friends that I gamed oh. with. But I just, like, it wasn't good enough yet. And I, and I knew it wasn't good enough, and I didn't want to post it because it wasn't good enough. And it, like, I don't even have the projects at this point. Like, they're, mm -hmm. I don't even remember if we had a name. Like, this is how old it was. We must have been 14 or something like that. But. Yeah. Oh, what year yeah. did you make? Is it called Seventeen? Like way before? Yeah, X V I I. Yeah. Mmm. <laughs> we just. I, I'm just happy that I ended up changing my name because I didn't understand it. Everybody like now yeah. that it's over was like, oh yeah, it's really really cool. But I remember my managers at the time. They went into a meeting with like big CEOs of labels, yeah. and they were like, yeah, we just had a meeting with you know X from. Atlantic or like yeah. some crazy thing they're like they can't remember your name for more than five seconds we got to change your name I'm like oh <laughs> because like I mean at the same time everybody always says it a different way oh, and yeah. just kind of like bounces it around but that what year was it that you actually came up with that moniker I was 17 at the time so oh. however old I was that was was that five years ago mm -hmm, yeah oh my god 2013 ish yeah probably I think it was September of 2013 I remember um I bought subs for my car, like a subwoofer, and I would like literally drive around while working on music at the same time, like testing it out in the car because oh. I was like, oh, I don't know if it's good. Yeah. And then I remember putting out, like, it was a month after I switched over. I used to use Reason, now I use, or I used Ableton at the time when I switched over. And within a month, I was like, made a track that I was more happy with than I had done in the last two or three mm -hmm. years of working on stuff. And so I was like, you know, I'll just put it out. And then I remember getting like 100 plays in a week or 100 plays in a month or something like that. And I, even to this day, like, people get, or I get, like, Facebook updates of, like, stuff that happened. Like, my first show, or my second show ever that I, like, ever did, ever, was five or six years ago. Oh, no, no, not five or six, geez. Um, four years ago? Like, as of two days ago or something mm -hmm. like that? Oh, wow. Yeah, and I, there's, like, pictures of, like, our tractor set up and nobody oh. there. And we played at this, like... <gasps> like not the greatest bar and we went like underneath in the basement and like I remember actually the first show that I ever did I invited like friends out and six or seven of them came yeah and we it was actually the funniest thing because I, I remember it so vividly I'm playing and I'm playing all this new music and nobody from back home knew what I was playing or what trap was or like what electronic music was and they all brought up chairs and sat in like a semicircle in front of the stage that's like a preca precaution circle yeah really. yeah exactly that's literally what it was like as if you were as if i was in the crowd and we were sitting watching like a, a quartet or something like that sing or like play drums in front of us that's how they were sitting watching me play yeah and then like some of them left halfway through i remember that that yeah. was so oh my god but why yeah. do you choose your middle name like why not first name or wow like... you know that okay um well that was actually Cheney's decision. I was with Cheney and her family when uh, I got the phone call to change my name, or that we should do it. Like, it wasn't even a thing. They were just kind of like, you should do it. And I was kind of thinking like, eh, like maybe it'll work, maybe it won't work, but we'll do it. And we were just trying to think of something that kind of, like XVII has nothing to do with me. Like there's yeah. no significance, there's no like relation back to like family or anything like that, or even something that like, it was just, like when Uzi was doing trap music, he had like all this like whole Roman like numeral mm -hmm. scheme thing going on. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like maybe I can center my stuff around that, and then just like pick the name and did it. Yeah. Like that. There was no like 
thought behind it. There was no reason behind any of it either. Yeah. So when we were all deciding, Cheney was actually the one that came up with the name, and she was just like, why don't you just use Vincent? I like one of your middle names. I was like, Vincent sounds cool. Yeah. My other middle name is Samuel, and I didn't think, like, it just doesn't like, it just doesn't grab as yeah. easy. So we were just like, yeah, sure, we'll just go with Vincent. Yeah. Because, I mean, it definitely fits a lot better than XVII. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we kind of retired <laughs> that now. Is it ever hard? Because it's so, like, common, right? Like, even for yeah. SEO and stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. That That's, like, one of the main things. And it's really funny when people, like... After my shows, if it's like my own solo show, I try to go down in the crowd and people are like, the people that don't know me, they yeah. come up and they're like, oh, like, yo, can we take a picture? And like, yeah, sure. And then they're like, oh, like, let me add you on Instagram. And I'm always like, hey, can I see your phone for a second? And I type in just, just Vincent yeah. to see if I'm like the first, second, third, or yeah. like not even on the page. Yeah. Because it, it's, for me, it's really interesting having such a common name that you can't really like, it's not like Elenium where you search Elenium and nobody, yeah. like no other searches are going to come up because yeah. it's a different, or Skrillex. Because, like, no other You've name. You've been researching this side to use. That's how I know yeah. your middle name or your first name or last name. Oh, my like. God, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's 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 been interesting, like, SEO-wise. But I think, like, eventually it might be a better, like, easier to search or, like, a bigger name where it's, like, you know, you have St. Vincent and St. Vincent's really popular. And you, you, if you type in St. Vincent, you'll find it. And if you type in Vincent and you have, like, your searches are generically EDM, yeah. I think you can find it not that difficult. Yeah. It, it's easier when you know like the actual handle. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. But at the same time, I I'm not worried about that as much as I'm worried about like the name change in the first place because I'd much rather just have something that I'm happy with and have it like mm. not work out than pick a random name because I don't know what I'd come up with. Yeah. That's then, always like the weirdest part yeah. too. And then after you graduated, so you graduated college, right? And I you're did working, not. Oh, you didn't? I did not. You're just working no. random jobs. Go, yeah. Going back to that other thing, like paying so little for college, what I did is I just kind of like kept going and barely passing my classes to give myself more time to work on music like I was just like going through the motions literally of you know like university never like I was getting like C's and D's and like voluntary withdrawals and my like there were technically passes if we look at it like C's are they're not great but C's do get degrees I guess Mm -hmm. if you focus on it um but I was just buying myself time to keep making music at home because I knew if I worked full time then I would be like nine to five come home by like six o'clock eat and then you know maybe work for a couple of hours and then be tired because I have to get up for like seven or eight the next morning again yeah so I was just like that it could work and I could make a lot of money and like pay my parents rent and do that type of stuff or I could just go to school barely pass work on music while I'm at school and like not skip all my classes but in between classes I'd like go to the library there's like a third floor that had windows out everywhere and especially in the winter like you could see all the kids walking in it was just like really really cool as a studio room and I'd pull up a chair in the library like right against the window and just work and I would I did that for like three years up until the point where I ended up moving and like trying to make it a possibility and to be honest if I didn't do that I don't think I'd be here either yeah because I just like I made it a priority to the point where it was like I'm kind of like blowing all the money that I can make from anything on yeah school and is that when you started the GoFundMe? Oh my God, the GoFundMe! <laughs> it's still up. Oh my God, I. You know what? I'm trying to even think of. Yeah, that was when I first moved, wasn't it? Yeah, oh I, I like remember. <laughs> it was just like Holy um, shit. rent, and then like food, and then your ticket, your visa, yeah. and then oh, you like broke it all down. Oh, I forgot I even did that. Oh my God, yeah, that was when. Okay, longest story short in all of this, if I hadn't met Cheney, that none of this would have happened. But I remember Cheney, we ended up getting... How did you meet her initially, actually? Okay, yeah, this is this is like a long tangent, I love this. 
Okay, so originally she follows me, but just on Twitter. How long ago was this? I want to say it was February of... It was 2015. It was like Q1 of 2015. Yeah. And she followed me and I was like, she's hot. I'll follow her back. Just because I was like some kid that had never had like anything on the internet before. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, yeah, let's just, you know, let's do it. Whatever. Like, follow her. It's fine. And we'd like consistently, like, we would never tweet at each other or do anything. And it wasn't weird. I wasn't trying to like pick her up on the internet. And then one night I got home super, super late at like five o'clock in the morning. And she, I'm like scrolling through Twitter before I go to bed. And she's like, Skrillex is standing right next to me. But not, not like, not to me. She just publicly yeah. tweeted it. So I think I DM'd her and I was like, no way. Like, how did that happen? Like, I'm the biggest Skrillex fan or whatever. And we just started like talking back and forth. And then it just turned into like FaceTime calls. And then it turned into, well, I want to come see you. And like, I, she actually flew out without, like we had talked for like, three weeks and she flew out to Winnipeg without yeah. her parents knowing and then I ended up like booking a hotel because my parents were like she's a catfish she's gonna like it's a dude it's gonna kill you and I'm like mom it's not <laughs> I'm like mom I'm gonna be staying at this hotel for the weekend and oh, she's like they're really stressed oh my oh okay well back home too it's not like a very internet savvy type mm, thing like that yeah. um I don't know how to explain it it's just not a lot of like internet stuff I guess like this it's very uncommon to meet someone off the internet let's put it that way yeah and even for me at the time it was so uncommon but again I just like rolling with whatever's happening book a hotel we end up staying the first night I ended up calling sick into work the next day because I didn't want to go and then my parents ended up like they're like oh you didn't die the first night all right well let's take her out for dinner type thing and it was really funny <laughs> and then after that like the next couple months I was flying back and forth here just to like visit her or she would like fly back to you know, Winnipeg. Oh, she already moved that here? Yeah, well, she, um, she moved when she was 18, I believe, to do schooling in SoCal. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I say SoCal, like, we're not in SoCal, but, um, yeah. Orange County area type thing. And she was just, like, a college kid. And then we, we just started, like, hanging out, talking or whatever, and we don't have festivals, or, or we have, like, some festivals, like, maybe one or two back at home, but there's no, like, real... Like, there's no Coachella or EDC or any of that type of stuff. Like, we had, like, a one stage, four acts, and that's it. And, yeah. like, maybe a lot of local openers. And so I'd never been to a festival before, and I always used to watch the live streams. Like, I've watched Ultra live stream every year, EDC live stream every year. Like, I was just, like, the kid that was like, oh, my God, I want to do this so bad. Like, I love watching it. I'm all about this, but I've never been to anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, we end up getting Coachella tickets in January, and I'm like, there's no way. Like, this is the only festival that I've ever wanted to go to, yeah. like, more than anything in the entire world. And at that time, I used to be a lifeguard. And so they would, I would work like three days a week for like three hours. It was like nine hours a week or something because I couldn't get any more shifts. But I was a teacher as opposed to a lifeguard. And for teaching, they needed to have someone there as opposed to like substitutes. So you could, if I worked like a Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday every week, I'd work that for 10 weeks. And I could only take off one Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, like out of the 10 week schedule if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's like you could only take off one. And at this point I had taken off like two of each because I was flying back to see Cheney so often. And I was just like, <laughs> we just took off so many. And I remember going, the, the main like, you're moving thing was, it was either I go to Coachella or I basically like quit my job. Like yeah. it was like a, they would force me to like quit my job instead of firing me so I didn't have it on my record type thing. Mm. And I remember like Cheney's like, you just have to do it. Like, you just, we're going to Coachella. Like, you have the tickets, you have to go. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, well, I lose my job. And, like, being a lifeguard, you don't just kind of get that. It's not like you just 
you like sign up to be a lifeguard like you have to go through all of the oh, yeah. the training and it's like thousands of dollars and lessons and all this oh, other wow. type of stuff and I'd been a lifeguard for just over a year probably and I'm sitting there like do I really just throw this all away and move to California for something that I hope might work and like within a week I like I go in and Cheney's trying to convince me and I go to my manager I'm like are you sure you can't give us like one more day off because I like the flights didn't work out and that's kind of mm. what it was and she's like no you like we're kind of putting our foot down this is it you either quit the job and go to Coachella or you keep doing your job and don't quit and so I quit <laughs> quit like on the spot just put in my whatever notice and ended up doing that and went to Coachella then like two or three weeks later I was like yep I'm leaving parents I'm moving to California yeah. and that was it and just like and then you moved straight in lived. with her yeah, moved straight in. And that was where the GoFundMe came in, like, right before I moved. Because I had, like, maybe $1,500 to my name at the time. Yeah. And I was like, how is this even going to work? Like, $1,500 in Canada can cover you. It can cover you for a while. But, like, $1,500 isn't that much money when you, like, you know, rent and food and all this other type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, how is this even going to work? And then that's where the GoFundMe came in. Yeah. But, yeah, like, we moved in. Uh, together when I first moved and then we moved from Orange County to Los Angeles and then we've been in Los Angeles for two years now yeah which and that's why I say like if I hadn't met Chaney like Chaney was kind of my like obviously we we date and everything but like she was kind of the the stepping stone into the U.S. not like through the legal possibilities and everywhere but it was just like where I lived at the time and if it wasn't for her being here or us meeting in the first place even off of social media as like minuscule as it seemed as like she tweeted once and I responded. So if that had never, if that interaction yeah. never happened, I probably wouldn't be in the U.S. And <laughs> yeah. it was like such a huge, huge, huge domino effect over the last three to four years of like me moving and us working and like everybody working on everything yeah. that has caused like you know us to be here. Yeah. It's just it that always blows me away. Like thinking about it. Yeah. Because like I could easily just we and actually we used to talk about that all the time. Like yeah. what where would we be if we hadn't met each other? Because we would not. Be in this situation yeah after you moved here like the remixes you did like Alice in Wonderland those like really took off right were they those were like the big milestones for you initially right yeah that was like there is uh god it's a remix of murder something by Waka Flocka and that kind of blew up originally when it was like it was like three years ago four uh, even longer it was just like it was the first track to blow up and I was like okay cool like we can have a track that has half a million plays like that's really cool and then I remember Chaney played uh, Counterpoint, which is a festival in Rome, Georgia, and I ended up handing a USB of tunes to R.L. Grime before he went on stage that night. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, like, maybe he'll play it, maybe nothing will come from it. And I think he's, like, one of the only people I ever did that with. And then literally, like, half a year later, he plays Lollapalooza, and, like, there's videos of him playing You Don't Know Out Live. And then there's videos of, like, Floss playing it out. And then after Floss and R.L. play it, and, you know, Allison's been rinsing it for ages, then everybody starts playing it. And it was just like this domino effect again of like one person plays it and then the next person plays it and it goes off every time and everybody starts playing it and it's like yeah. this huge snowball. Finally, know this one and you can tell like the crowd gets excited when yeah. I play it because they do know it. And did there other it. big remixes like happen the same way or? Some of them did, some of them not. Like that one got a lot of plays just because of like the fact that everyone was playing it out live. And I think it also was around the time when Allison like didn't have that crazy of a following, mm-hmm. so it was really really easy for her to. Uh, Sorry, it was she was playing it and it was working out really well, but it blew up because she was blowing up at the same time, oh, which kind of okay. helped it, I think. Um, I did a remix for the Chainsmokers that got a lot of plays, and that one, 
I'm not entirely sure. It yeah. just kind of worked out. Like, that, I think that was right as SoundCloud was, like, starting to pop off with organic listens. Yeah. Like, something could blow, something can blow up on SoundCloud still, like, you still see, you still see tracks in the, like, you know, 80 million play count, but they only happen when, like, it's a rapper. You, you never see anyone even, it's hard to break a million plays on SoundCloud now, which is really, really tough, but yeah. I think it was just used when, it was, it was like a good or decent remix for a lot of people when, um, like, the sound was really easy, mm-hmm. and it was a Chainsmoker remix, so it kind of, like, that also helps. Yeah. And then you started doing like original music like her, that song. Yeah, those and then like even that track, I don't know how that like blew up or became one of the bigger tracks because we just put that out. Like there was no marketing plan, yeah. there was nothing to it. We just kinda like, here you go. Yeah. And that was it. And I didn't even put out another track for like nine months after that. Which is really weird. Yeah. And it just kinda like all of the SoundCloud numbers and stuff, the only one that isn't an anomaly is you don't know because everybody played it out. Everything else was just kind of like, it worked. Yeah. Some of it works, some of it doesn't work, and those are kind of the ones that did. Do you see yourself doing more and more like original stuff with like vocalists and less? Oh like, yeah, a hundred percent. There's a lot of that that I'm sitting on right now that we're just trying to like get everything finalized for before we put it out. But there's like five or six of those tracks that are just kind of like waiting. And how did the like Apple and Adidas thing come about? Well. Those originally came with like one management company that I was with. They were gonna do an ad fair for Adidas for like a decent amount of money. And especially at the time I was like, wow, I've never seen that before. And what year was this? 2005, oh my Lord, 2016, the year after I moved. Yeah. And it was like mid 2016, we got the offer. And then, you know, a couple months of negotiation, everything goes down and it ends up going down to like a really like about, it's just not a lot of money. But it was still like, it was money. It was like, oh yeah, we'll do it. And all you have to do yeah. for those is sign and everything's like copyrighted and you're yeah. fine. And then the, the deal just falls off the table. Like it's not even, if, even remotely possible, just doesn't happen. I end up like changing management companies through this time and my old manager hits me up and is like, hey, the offer came back on the table. Like, do you want to do this? All we need is the stems for it. And I kind of like, I was just like, eh, like, you know, like maybe we'll do it, maybe we won't do it. I remembered the last price on it and I was just kind of like, oh, well, I'm going to have to go find the stems on a hard drive that probably crashed. Like, I don't know if it's there and I'm, I'll go look for it, but I couldn't find it. And he would hit me up consistently like, hey, do you have it? Hey, do you have these? Like, do you have these stems? Like, we need to make this deal go through. And then one day he just texted me and he's like, hey, you should, like, we really have to do this. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, he ended up giving me the number of what it was for. And I was like, okay, well, like, cancel everything that I had to do today. Yeah. We're literally not doing anything else. Like, I'm finding these stems whether I die or not based <laughs> off of that I'm doing this. And that was kind of how it happened. And then we end up sending the stems over, and then, like, you know, two weeks later, everything's signed and done for. And they just kind of, like, I don't know, we, we got the money that I was owed, I guess. And they yeah. we just see the commercial everywhere. Like, it was Damn. played for... But so it was an original song or a... Re- yeah, it was for Annex, yeah. Oh, and okay. they, uh... It was for this ad that Adidas ran. It was, like, their main ad for the first quarter of that year I think maybe they were they the time was for six months and they kind of ran it but it was played like before the Grammys they played the ad uh, before the Super Bowl started they played it uh, for like another it's like the Emmys or something like that too like and then on top of the fact that it was just on TV like you could see it yeah. whenever you turned it on and for my parents I think even relating it back to that that was a huge that was when they started to like like that's what the idea yeah it's on tv it's like legit yeah they were like oh yeah okay and now and then they you know started understanding music at that point they're like oh yeah companies will just give you that i remember sending the contract to my dad because apple came right after and i was back home when i got the email it's like a 
like john at apple.com i'm like somebody's pranking me like this is not a real email that i get like, <laughs> it like it's like an apple.com i was like yeah. no way and then end up doing that deal i remember sending the contract to my dad just to like verify and check it over and he's like you would be the dumbest person in the world not to sign this and i'm like well yeah i know i'm signing yeah. it regardless dad but like just wanted to let you know and i think after that happened they kind of like eased off and we're like yeah. okay we understand that you can do this music thing and it can work for you even yeah. as rare as those opportunities were and like as I'm like continuing through music I understand that those opportunities are even more and more rare like yeah. you should have like a pub company to get you those type of things and like both of those emails were just inquiries that came to like having your email on your SoundCloud or like an email on your yeah. Twitter and I know lots of other people there's like We've had opportunities to take music from different ads because other people haven't had it. And we've heard like the past ad that they were going to use. And there are people with like under 5,000 followers on SoundCloud. They're like, their song has maybe 20,000 plays. But the people that want to put these songs in the ad, they're like really, really about finding music that'll fit the ad or finding music that, you know, is different that nobody's heard before yeah. that they can be the ones to put it on in a weird, um, what's the word for it? Like somebody that can, um, like Anna Luna is a selector, but she can also a curator. Oh, okay. Curative sense. That's what I was trying to get at. Damn, that took a while. <laughs> but yeah, those they were like really, really crucial in kind of yeah. helping me financially for a couple of years while we weren't putting out music, and I was in these weird management situations that weren't necessarily bad, and it wasn't necessarily their fault why I wasn't like working and stuff. But I just kind of lost the the like motivation to work type thing or like yeah. the motivation to you know keep trying to do something different or keep trying to make music and keep forcing this project out and I just kind of became complacent sitting around like oh I can just like play video games and you know like I moved to Los Angeles everything happened I'm already here like I, I did the big you know step you know every like money will just follow always and then I just kind of like I didn't stop working but I just stopped being hungry for music between like management and agent combos weren't working and I just I wasn't feeling it but I wasn't you know doing anything about it and I wasn't working hard enough so they weren't happy and it was just like this like back and forth struggle consistently of like am I doing the right thing or am I like what do I do next or like how do I get out of this hole because there was like a whole bunch of hype when I first moved I felt at least mm -hmm. like I'd feel like you can you can feel it a little bit it's a weird thing and then I just lost all of it. And it wasn't because... Just because you weren't putting stuff out or... Yeah, and I wasn't working for it. I wasn't, like, making music. I was making music, but my managers didn't want to put it out because they didn't like it. Or, you know, like, all these other type of different circumstances. And then that's why I always try to say, like, it's not their fault. Because I wasn't working. Like, I, I was working. It just I wasn't working hard enough. And so, like, this yeah. past year, we ended up switching. Or I ended up switching management companies again. And a new agent who, like... It was just an interesting situation in how you can, you know, you can be with who you think are the best people, but then it just doesn't work out in the long run. Not like on a personal level, just on a business level. Yeah. And I switch over with these guys now and I'm just trying to like make music and them, like they're on my ass all the time in a good way, like where they're just talking to me like, hey, like, what are you doing today? Like, what are you doing? Like, maybe we can have a team meeting or, you know, have you made music? And I'm just like consistently watching them work for me. And like always being as excited about the project as I am, if not more. Like I'm pretty sure my agent is more excited about my project than I am. <laughs> and sometimes like I hear from Mark and he's like, yeah, Corey's like super into it. Like apparently Corey called my manager, Mark, on Christmas Eve at like nine o'clock at night being like, hey, just random idea. We I had this idea with like the V and Vincent. And he just relays this to me after Christmas, like a week after. And I'm like, 
you think about more about this stuff than I do. Like, I'm not even thinking about this stuff. on Christmas. Yeah, it's like, bro, it's like Christmas Eve. It's about to be Christmas in like three hours, and you're talking about how we can manipulate the, the V to look better on like a tour flyer. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, this is awesome. And so I think just like, weird tangent again, but going back to like thinking you had it all found out and like doing all the other type of stuff, like getting deals and everything, it's like, it's really cool, and it kind of does change your life in a little sense. But if you don't have the right team with you and it's not always the best people or like the people with the most accolades that I found out is the best team it's just like you have to find people that are like friends and people that will actually you know stick their neck out for you in all types of aspects and I think that that like finding the right crew which I feel like I have now after the last three or four years of stumbling with people that have worked out like they've they've done a lot for me over the past and I would never be here without them either but just finding people that are like ready to keep you excited about what you're doing and keep you motivated to do what you want to do in life those are the type of people regardless of if you're in music or you're just watching this for fun those are the type of people you need around you consistently on a regular basis so that you push yourself forward while pushing them forward as well yeah which i like again over the last three years if that's anything that you can take away from this interview that would be the one thing yeah like i that is something that is so important to me now that like and genuine like interactions with people that's always important too but if you don't have the right team around you you're not going to be able to push yourself forward unless you have some like god unknown motivation that, that and nobody's ever seen before uh, do you think your music has changed from the early songs you made to like the ones that you're sitting on right now oh okay um the older music was like i guess it's just kind of evolved the way that music's evolved for me at least in my ear um like Annex and her, those are kind of like instrumentals with a little bit of a vocal line to keep everything going. And I think those are really cool now. And if I do those now, I'm going to try to do it a different way. But when I first started doing everything, they were just kind of like, just like instrumental trap tracks. Like it was more for like the clubs or the shows than it was for like, oh, I just want to listen to this in my bedroom type thing. Like when core was a thing. Like, or not, core is still a thing, like it's very alive and well, but when core like first came out it was kind of like, oh, where are you going to hear this? You're either going to like listen to it on Spotify because you love EDM, yeah. or you're going to listen to it because like, oh, this is that track that everybody plays at the show and it's really cool because trap was like the new big thing. How do you think you've grown as a person since when you were younger? Uh, I've definitely come into my own a lot recently, like I've just become like my own person a little bit more. Like if I want to do something, I'm going to do it, and I think that's kind of where the mentality of the project was going to not to always cycle back to music but I'm just kind of like starting to do what I want to do more as opposed to like people telling you oh you should probably do this or like oh you have to do that and me listening being like oh yeah that's probably like what I have to do to blow up or like oh they did it so that'll work for me now I'm just kind of like like I on the plane the other day I just remixed a Lil Xan song because I wanted to <laughs> like I, I don't yeah I don't plan on putting it out I don't like I'll play it live all the time but it was just like if I want to do it then I'll do it and yeah. I think that that's been like really important for me now as I've like lived out here and I've grown up and I had to do a lot of things at an earlier age than most I feel at least it's not uncommon but it's definitely helped me grow up a lot as a person and just understand like what I like and to have my own taste and to build my own type of you know friend base and you know just people that like I enjoy hanging out with or like if I don't want to go out at one night and then I won't go out mm -hmm. like it's just kind of I used to always be like no, I don't want to go out at all. Like, I don't really want to do anything. And then it became like, well, if you don't go out, then you don't meet people and you don't talk to people and you don't, like, learn about stuff. So I just come to my own that sense where it's just, like, I'm my own person now as opposed to just being molded by what other people want to see me do or, um, 
what they think that I am, I guess. Yeah. In a weird sense. What does success look like to you? What does success look like to me? I think happiness. Mm-hmm. Like as an overall thing. Like yeah, you can you can do it on you can metric it by like plays and you know, booking fees is like, oh, I make X amount of dollars on a fee. It's like, great, I'm so happy for you. But are you happy? And if they're happy, then yeah, then I think that's success in the long run because if you're not happy with what you're doing, but you're doing it because you have to make end meet, understandable. But at the same time, you definitely want to have like happiness as the overall overarching theme. Yeah. Because like, I won't put any names out there, but I know that there's probably some DJs that aren't happy in their situation that mm-hmm. are like, they make the music that they make because of it. And maybe they're happy, maybe they're not happy, but if you're not happy, then I wouldn't metric it as a success. You just make a lot of money. Yeah. What would you say have been our biggest challenges so far? Uh, I think moving was one of the biggest. Just yeah. like immigrating to a separate country, which I'm sure that you had to do. Did you My dad's do American. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, a bit easier. Okay, yeah. I guess moving here from Hong Kong, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's like a huge change in yeah. lifestyle just by like, and way more than mine. Like, mine was Canada to... Yeah. The U.S. It's not that big of a change here. Majority of the stuff is the same. Yeah. But, like, just legal issues from moving, mm-hmm. that was... And it's not like I have a record or, like, I'm, like, super, you know, like, weird with the government or anything. It's just to get the first couple of visas, it was such a long period of, like, you have to put in everything and you have to get all these forms and it has to be done correctly. And it, I mean, it's the same way as anybody applies, but just trying to use, like... Yeah, I've got like 20,000 plays on SoundCloud. Like that doesn't really mean anything to the government. Mm-hmm. Or it means something, but like not nearly enough to for them to stamp a piece of paper that lets you work in the US for a long time. Yeah. And I've gone through I just got my fourth visa recently. Not I I have like an O visa now and those ones are the really really tough ones and really expensive ones to go through. And I have to renew them every 3 years now. But the other ones that were smaller, the craziest thing was you had to have a show once every 45 days and you could extend it for up to oh. a year. But the problem was that promoters don't book you unless you have a visa. Oh, and the so visa like, doesn't, yeah, yeah, it's a catch-22, and the visa doesn't come to you unless you get the bookings, mm-hmm. right? So it was like the weirdest thing. And I ended up getting two of those for like two months and three months or three months and four months, respectively. And then after that, we ended up applying for an O, got an O visa for two years, and then had to renew my O visa for three years just recently. But going through that entire battle of, like, if you don't have a visa, you could technically get kicked out of the country. Like, they can bar you for five years. If you, like, and that, that's crazy for me to even think about, like, messing with the government in any situation. Because if I screw around and do something wrong, it's like, or something, you know, ends up in my bag at some point, And they're like, they put me back aside and they, you know, test me for it oh, and I have yeah. a record. Then they can bar me for five years. And this isn't... Like, this is the main place where you do music, and that's the entire reason I moved in the first place, is because music wasn't as big in Canada. Mm-hmm. Or it's big in Canada, but it wasn't as big in Winnipeg. And there's no scene to continuously play, really. Like, not a lot of people. Yeah. There's, there's only a select few that can make a living off of, like, touring DJs and stuff. And they're playing, they're not really playing what they, not touring DJs, sorry, the circuit DJs back in Winnipeg. And they play, like, to the crowd. They don't play for themselves, and it's a very different lifestyle, just, like, you know, going to a different club here for a local opener. Yeah. And it was, it's kind of like there weren't many acts there as well. Like, not a lot of people go through Winnipeg. So for me, it was like, I have to move. Like, I yeah. have to do it. Otherwise, this won't work. Yeah. And last question. What do I want to be remembered for? What do I want to be remembered for? Oh, my God. That's a deep question. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'd, like, I want my music to have a legacy, but I don't really want that to be, like, what's remembered. I feel like I just want, like... 
if you're gonna remember me at any point, I just want like, I try to meet people and I try to be very genuine with them. Like I don't like shove people off or blow them off. After all of my shows, like all of my solo shows, for as long as I can do it until they told me like, it's not a, it's a safety hazard, which has never happened. Like if I ever like get a lot of fans and do like a huge show, then I'll probably yeah. have to stop doing it. But after my shows, I play my outro and I walk out in the crowd and I just see everybody. I'm like, hey, I was literally standing up there an hour ago and now I'm right here. Like you can talk to me. I'm a normal person. There's mm -hmm. nothing different. Like you and I connecting is the same way as like anybody else talking together. Like I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll sit down. I'll have a conversation with you for an hour about nothing. Like I just, I want to, I like talking to people and I like trying to be as genuine as possible. So I think if people, like if I passed away tomorrow, then I would want the people that did get the chance to talk to me to like remember that as opposed to like, yeah. oh, the music was like, like you can remember the music too. The music is never going to leave, but I think that just like personal interactions and how I try to, you know, talk to people and take those type of opportunities is a little bit more of what I would want to be remembered. Yeah, I love that. Thank Thanks. you so much. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, bye guys.